As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. Happy birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> Did <laughs> that happen again? <laughs> as as uh, it was pointed out to me, it's better than the alternative. It's uh, Celebrating his birthday is better than the alternative. So thank you, Jordan. Yeah, it's... Uh, Usually um, uh, in past years have been right in the middle of getting prepared for the start of the season. I can't remember the last time I really celebrated a birthday for that reason. And because the number just keeps getting bigger and bigger, which is really a <laughs> sad thing. Like, I don't know who arranged that to happen, but uh, I feel like you should get a year where it like it goes back one year, you know, just to make you feel a little bit better. But but no, thank you. And uh, I did uh, enjoy the day. And uh, I know you you were gracious enough to to uh, delay the recording of the podcast. I know we had people asking like, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? Which always gives me like this very weird mixture of anxiety and pride at the same time. <laughs> like I love the fact that people are waiting for us to release the episode uh, makes me feel really good, but also gives me this like tight feeling in my chest. Like, oh no, they're waiting for us. We need to be good. We need to do an episode. So uh, so we, we did decide to wait uh, also because there's a lot going on right now, Jordan. Uh, I don't need to tell you that, of course, you're right in the middle of the uh, hurricane. But uh, since we last uh, spoke to everybody, um, we have had, well, in no particular order, we had the last Rams preseason game in which uh, all the helmets stayed on, which was a good thing. Uh, We had roster cuts uh, to get the Rams down to their uh, season opening roster. Uh, And we're now, as we speak, which is Wednesday morning, right in the middle of that period where guys are starting to be signed to the practice squad. Uh, Jordan, good news for the Rams is that everybody who they waived on Tuesday cleared waivers. Uh, Only 33 players, if my math is correct, and it often is not, only 33 players around the league got claimed. Um, So not a huge number, and none of them were Rams going to the other team. 
by the time you listen to this, and this is where it gets a little sticky uh, because these moves are literally happening right now. So by the time you listen to this, the Rams may or may not have announced uh, their their practice squad. If they haven't, there's a very good chance that Jordan has tweeted a large number of the players who are there <laughs> signing to their practice squad. So, Jordan, let me throw it to you with this. How do you think this went down for the Rams? I mean, obviously, we can sit here with hindsight and say, well, it worked fine because everybody who they cut ended up clearing waivers. And now they can sign these guys and get them back on their practice squad. So uh, is this really is this I guess this is just a best case scenario. But do you think they were nervous about anybody in particular where they were they sitting there chewing on their fingernails this morning, waiting to see if, if any one or two guys would would clear waivers? So. Yes. So good point to, first of all, um, that number, that 33 players, that's up, I think, by seven players from what it was last year. So still still an increase. And I think that the Rams, among all other teams in the league who do have intel and they a, a large part of their pro scouting department this time of year is devoted to figuring out where everyone else is at and what they can navigate and how they can maneuver this particular phase in the in the roster building process. So I think. That being said, um, two guys who I did hear were drawing interest from other teams were Jacob Harris and Benton Whitley. Um, Obviously, Jacob Harris being cut yesterday for a variety of reasons. One, because there was probably a sense that he might be easier to slide through waivers than a Lance McCutcheon who did what he did in the preseason. And not just the fact that he put up good preseason numbers, but the fact that Cooper Cup called him out in the spring um, as, as a player to watch. Um, he didn't look like he belonged in the preseason, which is the highest compliment I can probably give a player. He has the tools and, and all of that, whereas with Jacob Harris, he was injured for part of the the preseason. And so I think in the, when that comes up, you kind of realize, and so you maybe have less of a sample size, less tape on a guy, and was also injured the year prior. And so you maybe find that it's a little bit easier to slide a guy who you really believe in through waivers and, and get him on the practice squad. And I will note too, on the practice squad, as it pertains to Jacob on the practice squad, as probably like that range in the like 54 to, to 60 in terms of those roster quote unquote roster spots, guys who, who are the lead priority candidates for call-ups on game days, depending on the game plan, depending on what the the 48 active roster will look like on game day, depending on what they need on special teams. One of the things the Rams really like is that Jacob Harris plays all four phases of special teams. And so I can see him, you know, uh, pending. My understanding is that he was expected to rejoin the Rams practice squad, barring something weird happening. And again, you guys will have probably we will all know this by the time you're listening to this. So that's why today is a bit complicated. Um, but that's the logic behind it is he's someone they want to keep around there. He's someone who um, I would say that Lance McCutcheon had a stronger training camp and preseason than Jacob Harris did. But I would also add the caveat that Jacob Harris was hurt for part of the preseason. Um, he was also coming off of a knee injury that held him out of the sp- the entire spring and was finally cleared for full health and then changed p- changed positions for the first time in the in training camp and then was hurt and then so was out of you know uh, one of the preseason games so i i would say like in fairness and the caveat there is didn't maybe have an even starting point 
with Lance McCutcheon, who I don't want to take anything away from because um, he's a he's an outstanding player and I see so much potential in him. Um, but I will say that's that's part of the reason um, this podcast is going to be weird today because I might be getting texts in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes, Jacob Harris is going back on the practice squad. It's <laughs> This is like a live uh, podcast here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. So here's the thing, guys. Just bear with us today. Like we're we're do, we're going to do the best we can. And I hope that you guys are entertained by the fact that like things are happening in real time. Um, so, Rich, I want to hear while I tweet this. Yeah, I was I, just going to say hear some of your, <laughs> I'd like to hear some of your takeaways from uh, the roster overall. Let's maybe how about we stay away from the practice squad if I get any news. Um, I'll share sure, it here sure. and you guys will also see it on Twitter, but, um, Rich, I want to let, let's stick with the the main roster here. And in that we can also kind of talk about some of the strategy and the navigation. Cause, cause it is true. Some of the guys who you will see on the practice squad are there, um, and were waived sort of as a part of that roster math at the end of the roster, special teams being a huge factor. And then also, We'll get into some of the process with the quarterbacks and why or yeah. why not um, that happened the way that it is. But overall thoughts, Rich, I'm I'm curious to hear, and I'll I'll get my thumbs going as 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 you tweet. Yes, everybody will know exactly what time we recorded this because you can look at when Jordan tweeted about uh, Jacob Harris. It's a ten twenty six a.m. Um, yeah, it's you know, look, you need, you try to do these projections and and you can you can get most of them, but you never know exactly what the coaches are, are looking at, and there's so many factors behind the scenes. We talk about special teams all the time, but you talk about position availability and where guys can move around, not just in games, but in practices. You look at who they're actually looking at for the 46. And and I thought it was um, interesting um, is that uh, they were looking at a guy like Jake Hummel, for instance. We you know we were looking at whether or not he's even going to make the roster. Is is he a practice squad guy? And they're looking at him as a game day guy because of the things that that he can do. So a lot goes on behind the scenes. Any surprises? I mean, it's it's easy to sit here kind of the way I started. It's easy to sit here in hindsight and say, oh, well, it all worked out because all these guys cleared waivers and now they can come back. Um, I was surprised about Jacob Harris, although for the, all the reasons that you said, Jordan, I didn't know whether a team would really take a shot there. I mean, when you talk about only, you know, last year, like you said, only 26 players this year, only 33. I mean, that's not uh, something where a lot of guys get snapped up. So I, I wasn't uh, totally sure whether uh, he would he would get snapped up. I didn't think so, uh, but I also wasn't sure whether the Rams would want to take that chance, knowing that there's such uh, potential with him. Uh, the other one that surprised me a little bit was on offensive line and uh, not to harp on on Bobby Evans. I know I know this came up last week, but uh, uh, quite just to be honest with you, a little bit surprised uh, that, that he came through as he did. Uh, I have a pretty good feeling like with Jacob Harris that they had a good feeling that AJR Curry would would go through and that they would be able to re-sign him. So when you talk about these guys who are going to be there on the practice squad versus the number eight guy on your roster, not a whole huge difference there. I mean, you you can if you decide at some point that you want AJR Curry up there, um, not too hard to to make that move. So when you look at him as a whole, Jordan, not not too many surprises. I did want to ask you about 
Lance McCutcheon, though, and I also want to ask you about the quarterbacks, but uh, I, I think we, we, we kind of know what the clarity is there. But some interesting comments, I thought, from from Les Snead uh, about uh, Lance McCutcheon. And obviously they, they put him on the, the, the 53, uh, didn't want to lose him. I'm, I'm certain Lance McCutcheon would have been would have been uh, snapped up if, if he was on uh, waivers. But kind of how they view him you know the the rams only ended up only he says only ended up keeping seven <laughs> receivers uh not not the eight that had been uh theorized potentially but but jordan how do they really uh see lance and and what are maybe the expectations uh for this year and beyond yeah it was interesting because lesnead came right out and said you know inside linebacker so three undrafted free agents made this roster um, Keir Thomas and uh, Jake Hummel and Lance McCutcheon. And Lesney came right out and said that Jake Hummel and Keir Thomas are two guys that have a shot at cracking the 48. I would say part of this is because of special teams with, with Jake. Certainly it's because of special teams with Keir. It's interesting because he's going to actually have to factor in because Daniel Hardy, who was on the 53 man, has to be on the 53 man initially before getting moved into a return from IR designation. If you are out for the season on IR, you can go on IR before the roster cut down day, but you cannot come back for the entire year. If you are expected to come back at some point in the season, which Daniel Hardy is, you have to be on the initial 53 man, right? So they're going to move him at a certain point. And then that would also bring an opening up for them to maybe call up uh, somebody that's a, an open roster spot for them to call somebody up, whether it's another outside linebacker who's going to be on the practice squad, Benton Whitley uh, being to, to me a, a candidate for that. Um, but then also in case you do, like I said before, want to call up a guy who plays a lot of special teams for you. There's an opening now because you've moved Daniel to IR and you know that Keir Thomas can um, can contribute. So that would actually maybe be a, a Jacob Harris spot, frankly. Right. And that's what Les was trying to reiterate. And I'll get to Lance in a minute, but that was what Les was trying to reiterate is like, when you get to that type of math, you don't, you don't maybe like stick to certain numbers at certain position groups, like two tight ends. They have no issue with having just two tight ends on the active roster because their third tight end would probably be inactive on game day. Right. So, and he was all last year, Bryson Hopkins was inactive all last year and kudos to him for making that that jump into where he is now. And you could tell side note, you could tell Les was really proud of him too. He was talking about how bad he felt last year, seeing him inactive and he was sure his parents, you know, hated watching it. And he kind of went off on, uh, on one of his, his uh, tangents that he does go off on sometimes. <laughs> and I can't judge because I do the same thing. Um, but back to your point that, that roster math that that portion of the roster it's often more so about what phase they can contribute in. Now with Lance McCutcheon, so yes, I did see him working on special teams, but it's very clear to me that they're expecting him to long-term carve out a role for himself on the offense. The problem is, is he did not work with the first or second team offense at all during training camp. He worked over on the, the, the other field with the third team with Bryce Perkins and that's all fine because of what he was able to do in the preseason. And they kept him on the roster because they knew he's a long-term option for them. He can crack this roster and crack playing time at a certain point. And I would expect him to do that, um, you know, sooner in his career rather than later at the same time. Um, 
Les Need mentioned that he will probably not be active on game days because they are so crowded with established receivers in that room who already know what they're doing. So it's not a knock on Lance's talent. It's just like he, th- the first pass he caught from a second team quarterback was <laughs> in his, in the first pre in uh, the first preseason game that John Walford played. That was the, f- his, the first throw and catch. That was their first throw and catch together because you don't do any game planning for preseason games or anything like that. You just run your, your training camp. So he had only gotten snaps with Bryce Perkins before that. And so it's, it's not like that he, they're saying anything about his ultimate sort of status in the receivers room. It's just that he quite literally has not gotten any snaps with what their offense actually is. And they are in game planning mode. So it's like, he has to learn the offense in totality before in in like the modern iteration of it, which they weren't running at all in the preseason because Matthew Stafford's not out there. And so he has to learn that first before he can crack the roster spot and actually have a game to active. So when I see a lot of people on Twitter, like, Oh, you know, why is Ben Skronik playing ahead of him? Well, Ben Skronik knows all three receiving positions and um, kicks butt on special teams. So it's like, of course he's in the lead in, in this particular present day scenario, but it doesn't mean that Lance long-term isn't a part of their plans. It just means he's got quite a bit of ground to, to make up and they want to keep him around to do that. I think that that, you know, I don't think I know that that's why they kept him on the active is because first of all, they knew someone would take him away. Yeah. And second of all, they want him around long-term to really carve out a role for himself. Yeah. I mean, Ben Skoranek's been out there in the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's not something to be taken lightly and and yeah it's uh, there's a there's a danger you know and and i thought about this during the preseason too but i didn't i didn't want to say anything or (laughs) tweet anything to throw cold water on it but but there's always the danger of kind of falling in love with the guys who who thrive in the preseason right which is it's fun it's it's instructive in some way but it's also especially i think when you're talking about skill position players you need to temper it a little bit and especially on a team like the rams where they don't play uh, well, they don't play any of their starters, but they don't play anybody who's really expected to contribute uh, during the regular season. It's it's easy to, to look at them and say, oh, wow, that's the best guy out there on the field. Well, OK, that may be true. But how does that translate when you actually put him out there against actual NFL defenses and actual NFL cornerbacks and things like that? And Lance McCutcheon did some of that and, and looked well, but he wasn't catching passes from Matthew Stafford. He wasn't uh, dealing with a, a team that was really trying to scheme against an NFL offense. So there, there's some things that you can't exactly, um, you know, draw draw straight lines to just yet. Uh, I loved what I saw from Lance McCutcheon. I love his footwork. I love his hands, his size, everything about him, I think, uh, projects and everything that you saw projects as, as somebody who can contribute in the NFL one day. But I think the Rams are taking uh, the smart approach here and kind of looking at, uh, I don't know whether the phrase was used exactly, but almost like a red shirt year, uh, which is, I know what they've done with a, a lot of these young guys and, and smart move. And you look, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, nobody really thought Ben on it. Well, nobody put it this way. Nobody thought Brent Ben Skoranek was going to be catching passes in the Super Bowl. Nobody thought Bryson Hopkins was going to be catching passes in the Super Bowl. So you can never really project uh, what's going to happen with some of these guys. But I, I think the Rams are taking uh, a smart approach when you're when you're talking about how to develop some of these guys who maybe you're not expecting uh, to be contributors just yet. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan, let's uh, put a uh, just so you guys know, I'm giving I'm giving Rich, I'm giving Rich like thumbs ups. I'm like looking down for Mm -hmm. some of this and giving Rich like thumbs up like Rich is killing it right now. I can't wait to see what's on Twitter right now. I I, I hope it's nothing big like Rich. Rich and I are operating on hand signals right now. We're just like a couple of defensive linemen just working off of hand signals here. Yes. Um, Rich is filibustering like a champ, by the way. Uh, Not that he's filibustering. It's good. It's good information. I just want to say like you're handling this like a champ. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I I know there's a lot going on right now, but so in the end, Jordan, the Rams end up keeping three quarterbacks, which is is not um, unprecedented for Sean McVay, by the way. I believe it was in his first season uh, when they when they kept Brandon Allen as as the third uh, quarterback. So this is not unprecedented, but but also not common for, for him over uh, uh, the last couple of years. And um want to get your thoughts, first of all, Jordan, on why you think they ultimately came to that. We had some discussion last week about would they risk it with Bryce Perkins? Would they even risk it with John Wofford to see if they could sneak one of those guys through and and save a roster spot for uh, for somebody else? They ultimately decided not to take that risk with with either one. Um, but uh, well, let, let me let me ask you that first, and and then let's uh, let, let's get on to the to the next part. What what do you, what do you think about that ultimate decision? And uh, do, do you think do you think it was the right move in the end, or do you think they could have maybe snuck one of those guys through waivers? Just what I've heard and. And if I've heard a little bit, they've heard a lot. So let's start with that caveat. They're very much as a professional NFL team with a staff of pro scouts. They are uh, well-sourced about all of the other buildings and what they're doing or what they may or may not be wanting to do. So if I've heard a little bit, they've heard a lot. Okay. So what I've heard a little bit of is that there was going to be a lot of backup quarterback movement that came true. We saw that. A lot of teams were not pleased. A lot of teams with Sean McVay, former assistant coaches, were not pleased with their backup quarterback. I think right. when you see Kevin O'Connell make that late trade uh, for a backup like they did, it was pretty clear um, that they, he knew at that time that Bryce Perkins and or John Walford were not going to be going on waivers. So for me, that that said a lot just now because Kevin was – instrumental in the development of both of those guys and understands how efficiently you could run a practice with either or both of those players um, underneath uh, sort of your, your lead signal caller. So I think that that's part of it. Certainly last year, there were specifically a couple of teams interested in bringing in Bryce Perkins off of waivers. Should he be released? That was a part of the reason why they kept him around. The other part being, um, He's got so much promise, and there are a lot of people in that building who genuinely love the guy, um, who are 
super intrigued long-term about what he could possibly develop into, especially working with the quarterbacks coaches that they have had on staff. And at the same time, there are also a lot of people in the building who love John Walford. And there are there there's this feeling in this sense that if you can have, if you don't feel like you're going to be in an emergency situation, if you're not operating in the outliers, Nick Foles a couple of years ago, that's the outlier, right? right. That's the quarter. That's the the the, sto- the sort of the fairy tale story, which scientifically we'd call an outlier. In that most right. teams are not operating with the idea that a backup quarterback has to start for them at some point. If they've got a quarterback with some injury history um, that's caused him to miss substantial time, okay, you can maybe try- feel better about operating with the outlier. San Francisco this year, they are an outlier. Right. Um. General. Generally speaking, I don't know that long term they will be receiving praise for how they've handled this quarterback situation <laughs> right because you're also paying a crap load of money for a backup quarterback who may or may not get any snaps this year and you just don't know yet right. so that's the world that the rams are not trying to live in with this whole operations process the world that they have prioritized is both of these quarterbacks get a substantial get us a substantial amount of work during practice that we know now this is the way we run our our scout teams um which is as live of a teams as possible against the defense any of the defensive players will light up telling you about how valuable it has been to play against John Walford to get looks um especially some of the mobile looks from Bryce Perkins um, this is something that they value. It's something that they believe has made them better. They started doing it when Brandon Staley, as far as I know, they started doing right. it when in 2020, um, especially in that truncated period of time where they had to, because again, remember back then the, the first part of the year, the building was shut down due to COVID and they got just an enormous amount of productive work in when they were starting to run their scout teams like that. And there's so much about this defense that requires you to do things like rotate post snap, uh, match routes. You're doing a lot of different looks. You're very empowered in your coverage um, tactics. You're very empowered in the way that you're playing gap and a half. And you have to do those things. You can't just walk through an install like a lot of scout teams historically um, jogging through installs, looking at things on film and sort of just putting bodies in place in a jogging format. Like these guys want to feel the heat of what this feels like in real time. Right. And you obviously are limited by some of the CBA stuff, but as close as you can get as is safely and and physically possible, that's what they're going to try to be doing. And they've just really admired the way that these quarterbacks have picked up these opposing offenses and run them in their fullest iteration against this defense that then can not just react to what they're seeing for the first time from these offenses, but also, know it well enough so that they can assert when it's time for the actual games. And that's what separates this Rams defense from a lot of others is it asserts. It doesn't just react. So all of that being said, these are the reasons why both of these guys are still on this roster. I would also say that, and we all say, we say this all the time. I can't believe we haven't even said it yet, but multiple things being true in this situation is you don't want to lose one of these guys for nothing. If you feel like, subjecting them to waivers will lead to you losing one of them for nothing. Why not keep them both understanding that the third quarterback spot to you is more valuable than like the eighth receiver or the third tight end. Who's not going to be active on game day. And you probably will never be able to trade, but you could maybe trade your third quarterback at some point or um, the 
you know, sixth safety who's not going to be active or the the sixth OLB who's not going to be active and also won't you won't be able to trade a quarterback you can make something happen with, right? It's smart right. to be in the quarterback business. So why why not, right? And mm-hmm. so and and I would say too I posited this in my column, you know, let's flip it for a second. If the Rams had a backup quarterback who is a starting caliber quarterback and there are very few of those um, and they cost a lot of money. If the Rams had a starting quarterback who was or a, a backup quarterback who is a starting caliber quarterback right. who is is sitting there and they've never had to operate and I'm knocking on wood here, but and they've never had to operate in the outliers. They've been remarkably durable at the position, even with Matthew Stafford going through far more significant an elbow problem last year than he did uh, coming into spring and summer here this year. Um, And they still are not, you know, missing significant time or anything like that. Then why would you ever invest in in an emergency you've never had to face yet only to face the uh, possibility that the far greater possibility uh, of the outlier of the, of, excuse me, of the average, which is that this guy is sitting there. And then at that point you're hearing people on Twitter saying, this is a waste. Why haven't you traded this guy yet? You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> yeah, like, you're right. in that direction. So that's all of these things, parts of all of these things. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily like the best way to do it, but for them, they've decided it's the best way to do it. It does not, it's not for everybody. It's not the right way to do it. 32 out of 32 for them specifically, right. they have prioritized this. So that's what I'm trying to explain. It's like, it's not like I even agree or disagree personally. Um, I like both of those guys. I think they're both awesome people. And so I'm happy for whatever success they have in their lives. But it's not like I even agree or disagree with it. I just understand that this is what applies directly and works directly for them. They're not trying to square peg round hole their process, right? This is what works for them. Yeah, and and you led perfectly into the other area that I wanted to to discuss. So thanks. I'm glad I didn't ask both questions at once. Which was uh, the the kind of how you view your backup quarterback and and how you you view the value of it. Because you're right, Jordan. How much are you betting that you're going to need your backup quarterback? Um, are you betting that he's going to have to play three games? Are you betting that he's going to have to play eight games? Are you betting that he's never going to have to play a game? And uh, you don't know that. You have no idea how that's going to go. Uh, but those are the kind of the, the decisions that you have to make or the factors that you have to weigh as you go through this process. What are you expecting out of your backup quarterback? What, how much are you expecting him to play, if at all? And that really informs some of the decisions that you make. And a lot of that is informed by the strength of your starting quarterback and how you feel about him and what his health history has been. Has he missed a lot of games? Is he injury prone? Does he play all the time? Um, and, and that can change from year to year. So it's not the same from team to team. It's not the same from year to year. Um, the, this, this comes up kind of perennially, Jordan. Is that a word? Perennially. Yeah, yeah it I is. I, right. Yeah, I, it's Woo! a good word. I like a big it. One and I for, always uh, mix it up. There's one for, R and two N's and two right. L's. I wish I could get that on Spelling Bee on, on the New York Times uh, game. Like, that Is there two one. L's? I think so. Yeah. Let's now go I'm with, Let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, this comes up regularly, right? And and I don't mean to sound I know how this sounds coming from me, but I don't mean to sound overly negative about this. But there but the, this is a good discussion that comes up on Twitter. Uh, was going back and forth with our, our good friend Rob, goes by Seattle Rams on Twitter. It's been a long time 
uh, friend and supporter. Appreciate you, Rob. And and I, I, I think he made a great point. And it's, it's not one that is made to disparage anybody in particular, any quarterbacks in particular. But your backup quarterback and Jordan mentioned the outliers, mentioned the unicorns, the Nick Foles, the Jimmy Garoppolo's. If you want to go back to Kurt Warner, you know, when when the Rams uh, won the Super Bowl in St. Louis. Yes, there are a handful of instances, a handful of unicorns to where you say, OK, if you're starting quarterback tore up his knee, uh, that the, the backup could come in and you wouldn't have much of a drop off. You would still be a Super Bowl contender. You would still be a high octane offense. The chances of that happening are extremely low, extremely low. Um, and I, that's not a knock on John Wofford. It's not a knock on Bryce Perkins. It's just across the board. I would say that that is a fact. I think that that would I think that the you know, the, the games, the teams would bear that out. I think what you're hoping for is a best case scenario is your starting quarterback turns an ankle, uh, has to miss a couple weeks. Your backup quarterback steps in, obviously, is some drop off, but you're able to handle it because of the overall strength of your team. Hopefully you catch a good break in the schedule and and your starter comes back a couple weeks later and, and you continue on with your season. If your thought going into a season is that your backup quarterback is going to be able to step in and play eight or 10 or 12 or 17 games. And, and you're still going to be just as strong as you were with your starting quarterback. I just don't think that's feasible. I don't think that's that's smart to think that way in most cases. Now, again, in San Francisco, they might be saying that and they might have a legitimate argument to say, hey, Jimmy G could step in and, and be just as good as Trey Lance or maybe even better than Trey Lance. Um, and, and to your point, Jordan, I'm not sure that's the smart way to handle your roster or your salary cap or, or your quarterback room for that matter. Um, but that's what they've decided to do. So when, when you look at these guys, like, again, it's not, it's not to disparage John Wofford or Bryce Perkins or whoever it is, but let's be frank, Jordan, uh, from my perspective, any, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if Matthew Stafford goes down for any significant period of time, um, the Rams are going to be in a little bit of trouble here. Like, yeah. I, and it's, it's not, again, that's nothing. It's no knock on, on the other two guys, but it's just the reality of, of the quarterback situation. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like the way that I was sort of positing this too, is you want your backups. If you're most efficiently. And again, this is a team that because it invests so heavily in certain positions at the top of the roster, it has to think about how to not just efficiently use the other positions, but how to maximize that efficiency. And, and when you look at two other active quarterbacks on the active roster, you think, well, that doesn't seem very efficient until you understand the way that they prioritize them in practice, the way that they uh, w- refuse to cut them for to give essentially give them away for nothing. Um, you know, who's to say you're you're waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden somebody else has a situation that comes up and they need a a viable backup quarterback. And they're more willing to um, take that risk because they understand that maybe their starter is a little shaky or, or what have you, you know, you you're, it's smart to be in the quarterback business. It's efficient to be in the quarterback business. If you're not also overpaying a player, who's not taking any live snaps for you Um, at the same time, you know, with the worst case scenario, you're looking at guys who, if you're missing more than four games, if your starter is missing more than four games, your season is not looking great. Uh, yeah. I, I remember t- 
Teddy Bridgewater, why the reason why he leveraged into a starter's contract, which didn't work out, um, was because he had that sort of unicorn season as a backup where he did keep the Saints on track and he did keep, you know, he won what five games, five consecutive games when there the expectation maybe coming in was okay, he needs to win two or three. Right. Um, to keep it viable. And that's generally the mean that you look at with the quarterback is can they get us through two or three games as we figure out what our long-term solution has to be? If you're the Rams and you understand, and they do believe this, and I believe this, frankly, that either or or a combination of both, Bryce Perkins and John Walford could get them through two or three games like in a positive way, depending on the opponent. And, you know, the balance of, themselves and what they can do and how they know the offense and also what the rest of the team around them can do, what Sean McVay can do. Um, there's a sense that yes, they could get through two or three games in that type of situation. If you're looking at longer than that, you're looking at a, a season catastrophe essentially. And in that case, if you believe that you can still win, then you make some sort of big move for um, a Teddy Bridgewater, right? For a, uh, uh, you know, and this probably would never ever happen in a million years, but for someone in the same category as a Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like you, right. that's when you make that, that's when you pull that trigger and you don't have to do it before then is what I'm saying. And and that's, that's all I'm saying is they're, they're not going to operate out of the worst case scenario and they're not going right. to operate in the outliers and whatever those worst case scenarios would bring, because that's an inefficient way to do things. Yeah. That, that, that's such a great way to put it. It's, it's not, Again, these things all go hand in hand, too. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's easy recording this when we did. Um, it, it's it's now easy to look in, in hindsight and say, yeah, I mean, it, it worked out exactly the way the Rams uh, would have hoped. Would we be having a different discussion right now if somebody else had claimed Jacob Harris? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not saying we would be ripping the Rams, but we certainly would be looking at some of their decisions and saying, oh, did they make the right decision there? Um, or, you know, should they have tried to sneak somebody else through? And then they could have kept Jacob Harris. But hey, you know what? It worked out. So I'm sure there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of deep sighs and and uh, happiness in in uh, Thousand Oaks right now as as they start signing these guys to the practice squad and and uh, and Jordan f- furiously tries to tweet and podcast at the same time. Yeah, and I will say too, there's a little bit more going on with that. You know, I think the Rams are happy to have him back, but that situation I think is more unique than than it looks like. So with that, moving forward. Yes. What else about this roster stuck out to you? For me, obviously the UDFA is making it. The two tight ends. I cannot. We had Bryce. Okay. All I'm saying is we had Bryson Hopkins on our podcast. He was very gracious Player to X. do this like fun. We we did like a narrative when we had our, our former producer, Danielle Lehman. She's fantastic. We did this like fake detective mystery narrative <laughs> podcast just for fun. Like it was the off season and we were just trying stuff and it was so much fun. We had like da- one of Danielle's friends like narrated this detective. I wrote a script. It was like so over the top, hilarious. And Bryson was so game for it. Kelly, his mom came on. She was so game for it. And it was, you know, it wasn't like it's, it wasn't going to win any audio awards. I mean, the production was fantastic, but yeah. for us in terms of our thinking and our handling of it, like we weren't going to win any awards for it, but it was just really, you could see Bryson just, he got it right. He, he yeah. was game for it. And so, um, I was happy for him as on a human level, um, he and Tyler Higby being complete tight ends, they'll get a lot of, a lot of reps this year. And I think that that's going to be interesting to watch how that sort of, 
shakes out in turn. And then, and then um, with, as reported earlier, as we were recording this podcast with, um, <laughs> <laughs> with Roger Carter Jr. Returning to the practice squad, you have that option as well. He does play special teams. You have that option as well of if there's some sort of emergency, you have a guy in house who you can call up um, because the call-ups are a little bit more flexible this year. But other than that, like the the DBs, I thought that was a really cool, really cool thing. They kept, I mean, other than Quentin Lake, who um, as reported earlier, many, many days ago, and then many, many days before that, um, Quentin Lake was always going to go on some sort of injury designation. He was in, on PUP to start camp, which meant that he could then be onboarded into reserve PUP. So that still means that he can return at some point in the season if he's able to do so. Um, so good to have him still recovering from that knee issue that the Rams had cleaned up. And other than that, though, it was it was interesting to me because three out of the four guys that they drafted and and I can say this, they'll never say this right right away because they have to wait, you know, two, three years before they really show what yeah. they're capable of. But I felt like they crushed this draft in terms of DBs because these guys know they know how to draft defensive backs. Yeah. They know exactly what traits they're looking for. They know what personalities they're looking for. They uh, look in maybe directions that other teams are not looking to find these players. They leaned on everything they did. They do best as an organization, as a scouting staff, and they just went for it. And they found these three guys, Kobe Durant, Darion Kendrick and Russ Yeast. I said it right. I've been practicing. Oh, that was, I know that it was, was smooth. Slick. It was very slick. I, I, yeah. I was like, I was building it up in my head and I executed. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a moment. That was nice. Yeah. Um, so I was, I'm stoked for all three of these guys. I think that the Rams are probably pretty stoked too, because this is something that they predicted that all of these guys, while they won't necessarily contribute right away, keeping them around long-term is super important because of there's at least four players coming up, veteran players in, in the DB's room as a whole coming up on contracts. So you really need to make sure that these younger guys are sticking around. Yeah. Just to reiterate, Jordan, I mean, you said it perfectly, but, the um, way that they've been able to identify those guys and and have them not necessarily need to step in right away, although in some cases they have when you talk about Jordan Fuller stepping in right away. But in that secondary, really impressive. I mean, the, the low round draft picks, the UDFAs who have been able to uh, kind of fill their roles when necessary, whether you're talking about Darius Williams or Troy Hill coming in, I mentioned uh, Jordan Fuller. I mean, there's been guys in the past, Mo Alexander, I remember when, when they came out here um they they have a pretty long and good track record of being able to thrive at that position without taking a lot of big swings in the in the draft and that's i mean i don't care what position but especially that position if if you can do that and and you can uh, use those guys a couple of years later uh you know give jalen ramsey the big money and then you know use those other uh spots for for guys who can play their way up and uh, look again we don't know but you're right, Jordan. It looks like we're on the verge of that again with a couple of these guys who really, really showed out. And um, no surprise, it's, it's isn't it funny to get to the end of a, a, a preseason and get to roster cuts and, and you just assume, you know, oh, yeah, that those UDFAs will be on the roster. I mean, what a unique situation and, and really what a compliment uh, to those guys to, to, you know, to note how hard they worked and and, you know, really made themselves indispensable in a very, very short period of time. Not an easy thing to do. Um, so definitely a, a, an impressive thing. Jordan, I, I didn't want to, I, I want to make sure we didn't end without talking about the running backs a little bit for, for a couple of reasons. 
Um, <laughs> one. <laughs> Rich, Rich just did a signature eyebrow raise. So oh, I know boy. Some yeah. hot stirring is on the, the way. The only question is, how uh, much trouble do I want to get into here? Um, yeah. So <laughs> the uh, the uh, Rams, uh, how can I put this? Um, they uh, came back to practice uh, this week. And uh, those practices are now closed to the media um, for uh, the most part, other than stretching and things like that. And uh, they were very fortunate, the Rams were, to have Cam Akers uh, and Daryl Henderson back from their very mysterious uh, lower body soft tissue injuries uh, at the same time, uh, just in time. For the uh, for the for the closed practices, so my goodness, credits uh, to everybody involved for that amazing coincidence. Um, so, uh, Jordan, all kidding aside, um, objectively good news for the Rams, obviously, to have those two guys back healthy uh, as they prepare for the Buffalo Bills now. But how are you feeling, objectively speaking, looking at this roster, how are you feeling about how that shakes out? Now, you've got Cam Akers, you've got Daryl Henderson, okay? We objectively like both of these guys, like the skills that they bring. They also have provided us a long, unfortunate history of injuries. Uh, behind them, you have Kyron Williams, who has shown in limited uh, action that that he could be somebody who contributes, but also himself dealing, coming off of an injury, uh, is a rookie who hasn't gotten any type of substantial NFL action. And then behind him, you have Jake Funk, who is there largely because of his value on uh, special teams. So um, how do you feel about that? Uh, the, the Rams, again, have never been shy about if they need to go out and get a running back, whether it was CJ Anderson or Sony Michelle. I mean, they've, they've never been shy about during a season going out and saying, hey, we need somebody. We'll bring them in and plug them in. Uh, but but going in, how, how do you feel about that quartet? And, and do you think uh, do you think they made the right moves there? I think I'm always going to be wary of the injury situation with the running backs just because of the history over the last two almost um, three years has just not been ideal. Uh, they've had to sort of start and stop and start and stop certain phases of the run game plan that they've wanted to implement and, and execute. And, you know, what a couple of things, I'm just going to lay out the scene here and people can, you know, think what whatever they want, because this is just these are just, this is just the facts of the situation yeah. and slight slight opinion in one phase as well. First of all, I think people give Jake Funk too hard of a time. I've seen a lot of tweets that are like, you know, cut him, whatever. I think that this guy, if they can keep him around and he doesn't become a casualty of roster math and all of that, I don't ever see him necessarily being like the next big running back, but he might be a special teams captain at some point. The dude just takes this ownership of special teams that is really impressive that people really like. It's kind of like that Brandon Powell syndrome. And also shout out to Brandon Powell for making this roster. Yeah. Um, that was a long time coming for him. Um, when he was on the field, you felt this jolt of energy and buy-in. And Jake Funk is also a player who commands that sort of buy-in when he is on the field for special teams. I saw it. I never got to really see it up close because uh, he wasn't really factoring in last year as much in training camp and the preseason in terms of that. And then he was hurt. And then now he comes into his second camp and he's healthy and he is just really bringing it on special teams specifically. And now I get to see, and now I understand. And so 
that's something where, you know, sometimes it, it stinks to see players, any player misunderstood in that way to the point where people think that they maybe should lose their job. Right. Um, Anyway, that aside, Kyron Williams, I love, he looked so confident out there. He was getting reps with Matthew Stafford right away. They thought they were going to play him in the preseason game. And then they pulled him out at the last minute uh, because they didn't want to risk it. And I think that that goes to show how much they believe in his long-term future with this team. And I think it's important. You need to have young guys who are promising because again, Daryl Henderson contract year, and then these, these running backs whose injuries you're just not sure of all the time. Okay. So those two aside, let's look at Cam and Daryl. So Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, Daryl was working with a soft tissue injury through the spring. And then they both came into training camp completely healthy and ready to go. Cam Akers being one of the more fired up individuals I've ever met in my life <laughs> um, is has been ready to, to bring it, right? Yeah. Um, training camp is unique especially probably for a defending Super Bowl champion who is adamant that need they need to continue to move forward the offense. Sean McVay's adamant that he's needed to overhaul the run game and his vocalized disdain for what they did last year versus what he believes they can be capable of this year and that whole process being something that they very much focused on this entire year. I saw the stacks of binders, um, you know, in, in Sean McVay's office that were run, run install ideas and different things like that. Right. And so you look at that and then you understand training camp is almost completely open. And even if you have all of these rules and regulations for your credentialed media where they can't tweet out scheme. Like for me, the the furthest I could go was saying Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are pretty much sharing reps pretty evenly, first team reps pretty evenly. Right. And um, that that's a truth, right? But also understanding that anybody who is decides to dress in Rams gear for the day could walk in and decide to take a bunch of video and walk back out, maybe get on a plane, fly elsewhere. You know, any like, and I'm just saying that's just you know anybody could do anything at any time, right? That, there's, that Rams there's fan no- looks really like Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't imagine. Must have a, a twin brother. So it, it, it so and and we're not insinuating. Like I'm not insinuating. No, not I'm just at saying. All. I'm just saying hypothetically, anybody could see any of this at any time. Right. And that's why the restrictions are in place. It's not because they don't like us. It's not because they want to make our jobs harder. It's because they legitimately are trying to protect certain proprietary information before the the actual tape of the actual season starts actually happening. It's for that reason that when there were open days, by the way, at Rams practices this year, some of them were closed and some of them were open. The ones that were open, they were running nowhere near what their offense actually looks like. Like it was striking the discrepancies between in the preseason. They're running nowhere near what their offense is going to look like this year. They're running some very 2018, 2019 Sean McVay play action at some at some point. They just turned to Bryce Perkins and said, do whatever you want out there. (laughs) Like, really, it's it's not anything like anything you will see moving in. Okay, so all of that being a truth. All right. And I hope you guys can hear like this is 
this is a fun part of it, right? This is the the paranoia and the posturing. And it's not just oh here. It is everywhere. Oh, yeah. I couldn't even when I was in yeah. Carolina, they wouldn't even let me tweet out the music. Like yeah. they told yeah. me I couldn't even tweet out the music they were playing at practice. Right. That's how right. far they take some places take this, right? So like okay, so you go in and and <laughs> this because based on the rules for the NFLPA, the Pro Football Writers Association, and the CBA, that portion of camp and practices up until something like August 26th, those are completely open, right? And at a, on uh, this particular week, the start of this week, which was Monday, practices now go to their regular season format, which is 20 minutes available, maybe 25. The Rams are usually pretty good about giving us a little extra time. 25, 20, 25 minutes of an open portion, quote unquote, which is stretching and individual warmups. Okay. During the fully open, here's some facts. During the fully open portion, and I've got my bulletin board up, guys, just so you know, ah. <laughs> and all the threads are going yes. everywhere. So take everything you're hearing from me right now with a grain of salt. Okay. Um, so other than the facts, the facts yeah. are, so I watched Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson do full on-field workouts with the trainers. They were both, they both flew in to Cincinnati. They both dressed out in their pads for practices, but didn't actually practice. They both got, you know, their work on the sideline done with trainers. And again, they're together this whole time. And Sean McVay comes out in a press conference and is saying, um, I'm very slightly paraphrasing, but emphasizing that it w when they are both available, that means that they can start um, really going full speed in their installations. Well, no team fully installs or even partially installs any of its actual game plan until practices close. No team right. in the entire, if you're doing that in the year 2022, your football <laughs> team doing that in the year 2022, yeah. I am sorry, but you are behind. Yeah. You don't, you don't wait. You don't install most of what you're actually going to be doing in that current season until you actually get to close practices. Again, that's just how it goes. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. So it did not surprise me, therefore, that Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, who were happily included in mm -hmm. team on, you know, to the side, team on field things in yes. full pads and and whatnot. Um, but sure. not working actually on the field, not doing the full speed install. It did not surprise me that because they looked like they were could be ready to go, it did not surprise me that they returned on Monday. And yes. it would not surprise me if this is much less of a concern in the initial part of the year in terms of the soft tissue. It yes. would not surprise me if this is much less of a concern than perhaps it reads on paper when you say the words both running back soft tissue injury, like yes. perhaps it's much less concerning than that is, is what I will say. And I will say it's super interesting to me um, for reasons that I couldn't even accurately report. Cause I haven't seen them on the field together through this portion. Um, it's super interesting to me that they've been paired together in this way. I, Jordan, you are brilliant. I, I don't know. No, I might be just fucking insane, dude. No, like, I have no idea. I, it's, it's probably me. I'm just crazy, right? I like, don't think so. <laughs> You're also so much more smarter and diplo more diplomatic than I am. Like this, this is why I used to get all the angry texts, um, because uh, you have put it in context that uh, is is very valuable. And let's just say 
that season opener against the Buffalo Bills, it's going to be really interesting to see, right, how these guys are used. Uh, we don't now have a lot of data because of what happened during the preseason. Uh, but I, I will genuinely say, and I, I say this without being sarcastic in any way, um, for them and for everybody, I do hope that they're both healthy. I, I do hope that uh, they get an opportunity to show what they can do at 100 percent. And I hope the Rams get the opportunity to uh, use them in 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 ways that they uh, uh, feel are, are you know beneficial for the team. So um, we're not going to really be able to see what that is, maybe until that that Thursday night game. But hey, something to look forward to, right? Something to some level of intrigue that, that we're not going to be able to know about until that season opener. So um, I can't wait, Jordan. I mean, in, in some ways, I know we kind of say this every year, but the off season, it, it in some ways it feels like it never ends. And in other ways, it feels like it just ends in a, in the snap of a of fingers. And, and here we are now just uh, eight days away from, from the uh, season opener. We'll talk more about that later, uh, but uh, looking forward to it. All of the, all of the training camp is out of the way. All the roster math is out of the way. All of that is, is going to be soon to be gone. And, uh, Jordan, we can focus on uh, things that I know you love, which is to get into this football game. I can't wait for the first pile column to know that that's just uh, a, a few days away uh, and and really get into this Ram season. So uh, we will be here, of course, to cover all of that. Jordan, I haven't looked at her Twitter since the start of this podcast. I can't <laughs> wait to see what's out there. And uh, again, if, if you're just uh, if, if you missed part of it, um, the the uh, the practice squads are are being kind of tweeted out piecemeal. At some point, they will release a full uh, roster of the practice squad. But Jordan is all over it by the minute, by the hour at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. So if you want to know exactly what's going on, who's joining that practice squad, there's no better source for that uh, uh, minute to minute uh, information. So. Jordan, congratulations on making it to almost game week. I was I was laughing, by the way, before we wrapped up here. I, I was reading um, Sean's comments about going through the schedule. And uh, at some point, I think he was joking with you guys about, hey, repeat that back to me. And it is so funny when you get into these days like you, yeah. you think you think of a day, but it's not really the day like yeah. you like you you're when you especially when you play a game on Thursday, it's like, oh, wait, today is actually Friday or today is actually Thursday when it's actually uh, Monday or Tuesday. So Jordan, I, I, I know, I know you're a pro of that, but it is kind of funny, isn't it? How that yeah, goes. I actually can. And if he would have paused, he never takes pauses, but if he would have paused, <laughs> um, bless, bless his mind, it, it bless his heart. It just, his mind just goes way too fast. So he just doesn't pause, but if he would have yeah. actually all of us, we practiced it in the media room <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> because we were also trying to figure out it out. So it, it was like, um, you know, the CBA requires that the next three days are going to be off. But then Friday, we'll be back Friday and Friday's the, the new Monday for this game week. And then Saturday would be like a normal Tuesday, which is the off day. Then Sunday would be like the Wednesday. Monday, it would be like the ramp up Thursday that they traditionally right. do. And Tuesday would be sort of that jog through, uh, jog through, run through Friday. And then. Right. Wednesday is the off day and then Thursday is the game. Wednesday is Saturday and Thursday is yeah. Sunday. That's, yeah. uh, that's Wednesday how it is goes. The Wednesday is the Saturday walkthrough and Thursday is the game. So yeah. I I got it. I mean, I, it's in my brain. Unfortunately, all of the information that I have in my brain that is yeah. not relevant after this week, but somehow just stays there anyway. Uh, right, right. I remember, but before we wrap up here, my, my favorite story about that is I can't remember what season it was. It was either 
20, maybe it was 2018. And we were, you know, we were sitting in the media room going through all these scenarios and, and, uh, you know, I'm talking to, to Gary Klein and, and I said, yeah, you know, and then, and then, uh, there's the game and, and then I'm going to, you know, fly home on, on Monday. And he kind of gives me this funny look and I'm like, like, you know, what, what, you know, what's, he goes, but, but isn't the game on Saturday? And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, like I had actually booked my flight thinking that the game was on Sunday and, and Gary being the kind, you know, patient person that he is, yeah. didn't want to like point that out. And I was like, oh my God, I would have, I would have flown in for the, the wrong day of the game. So yeah, it is something that you have to keep in, in your head. The days are not always what they think they are, but regardless of the day, regardless of what day it is, or even what day you think it is, you should be on the athletic every day, every morning, every night. Jordan has you covered. Fantastic stuff throughout training camp, Jordan. You were right there with the 53-man roster projection right after the last regular, uh, last preseason game. Uh, had some analysis up right away after the roster cuts were made. It's going to be a great week leading up to that Buffalo uh, Bills season opener. And there's no better place to follow along than with Jordan at The Athletic. Thank you, as always, to our subscribers. We appreciate you so much. And it's always nice to see those messages come through and, and to know that you appreciate uh, Jordan's work. And um, we thank you very much. And there's no better time. And I mean this genuinely. There's no better time. You can sign up right now. Think of it this way. If you're not a subscriber and you sign up right now, you can get a full year's coverage. Not only will you get everything from this season, but it will carry you through the entirety of the next off season, which is amazing. And you can do that so easily by going to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And in addition to all of Jordan's amazing coverage, you will get her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. This is going to be a hell of a season. Hope you guys buckle in. We will be back with you uh, short, shorter than usual. Obviously, this is a bit of a delayed recording, but we will be back with you ahead of the Bills game. We'll be back with you after the Bills game. We'll be with you all year. Um, so in the meantime, hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. Hope you guys are taking care of each other. We appreciate all of you and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>